Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. The grant. My name is Nils Turvinder, and I am the creator, editor, and host of the grant. The Grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. I am moving slowly towards the end of the timeline series. In the last episode in the series, we went through the budget template itself and how to fill that in. However, when preparing the budget, the smallest part of it is knowing the budget categories and terms. The biggest part of the work is related to collecting the information, correcting this information, negotiating the budget levels for the partners, and all in all dealing with inconsistencies and communication and difficult budget fights in between the partners. I invited my old colleague and friend Jonas Hansen, who is Senior Funding Manager in the Danish ICT Cluster Digital Lead, to go through all the little and big things that makes finalizing the budget a big challenge for anyone, no matter the organizational talent and experience. It became a double episode. In this first episode, we talk about how you can help yourself in the months up to the final two weeks when things heat up, and then we take step by step the things that are most likely to give anyone problems, including late budget input from partners, wrong figures from partners, and two high figures from partners. We share with you all our combined experience from years of working practically with this, which will give you an excellent idea of what you can expect when preparing the budget in the final phase of the proposal preparation. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Grand the EU Funding Podcast. Um, today I am continuing the timeline series and we're moving towards the submission and the end of the series, so to say. Um, as it is, I have a handful of subjects left. But the uh, last episode was on the budget where I went through the, the template together with Elena. Today, as I promised in that episode, I uh, have a guest on board to go through what it is in reality to sit and and finish and finalize and fill in the, the budget when you prepare the proposal for a group of people. Um, before I dig any more into that, Jonas, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nils. And thank you to invite me back. Yeah, and you are in the advisory board. <laughs> so it's uh, my my little advisory board that I <laughs> that I made. Uh, so it's nice to have you back. Uh, I will keep drawing on you as 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 time go on moves on with this initiative. Um, very happy to have you in. Um, just to remind, so every who has not. Uh, listen to the old episode. Uh, so our relation, we work together. Huh? We old colleagues in Brussels, uh, Danish regional office, okay. and has known each other for yeah, since 2010. Yeah, since 2010, yeah, yeah. when I started um, going into 
research funding and EU funding in particular. As an as an intern, actually, on my master program. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing this for roughly 12 years now, uh, after I graduated. Um, all kinds of, of funding, uh, both uh, post and pre in the beginning, uh, and and, uh, and now mainly uh, applying for grants, all kinds of grants, private grants, public grants, EU grants, anything. Yeah, so you're working for Cluster, no? I am, I am indeed. So uh, since uh, we work together, I've been around the private sector um, for a tech startup, and now I work at Danish National um, Business Cluster for ICT called Digital Lead, where I'm a team lead for the Digital and Green team, meaning I primarily work with activities uh, that um, uh, facilitate innovation processes uh, for digitalization of the green transformation. Yeah, which reminds me, it would actually be nice to have a dedicated episode to uh, to zooming in on, on digital lead and how you work with the EU funding side as a cluster. Yeah, we could definitely fill a couple of episodes about that. Um, I often get the... It's good. Well, I know your <laughs> boss would be nice nice for the promotion of the organization, but from my part, it's uh, it's important that to, to share with the listeners how clusters work mm-hmm. uh, around in Europe. I already had <clears throat> an interview with a, with a bio, Acrobio, a cluster from, uh, from Poland. Uh, but I I need more clusters on board uh, to to share how they work with with their members uh, and, and use the EU funding as as a leverage to to the means of what they do. So yeah, we'll get back to that. I don't know if we let's just let's just leave the intro that because uh, then it doesn't get too long and for digital yeah we we have covered what we need to cover um, today as mentioned we will talk about the budget process and we'll talk about the process from a point of view of a proposal uh, person coordinating the proposal process who is gathering and preparing the budget must for submission and the reason why i want to do this is because i've done it myself a handful of times and it's absolutely horrible yes i've been through horrible processes and everybody everybody who's been doing this without being a hardcore a uh, person who maybe have been working as an accountant, working with EU systems, or, 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 or and as a person feel fine with stressful and situations, um, would would think that this is not a comfortable uh, process. And we will dig into why that is so. Yeah, you want to say something? <laughs> I often think that if you're absolutely excellent at that horrible process, if we're talking major big grants and are able to go through this without a hitch you're wasting your time as an eu proposal writer or coordinator then you should definitely be running major (laughs) enterprise mergers as a as a high-powered lawyer or or conflict mediator for billionaires or something like that (laughs) it is a it's uh, sometimes amazing when i look at, at at a professional project writer or coordinator coordinating these things and i just think you're not being paid enough for this, I think. <laughs> nah. You know what? Uh, before we have the fly into this 
to the subject. It, I work in PO was it's PO is the large uh, grants consultancy company for the listeners who don't know. Um, it's the largest company in Europe dedicated consultancy company dedicated to grants applications. And they of course had dedicated people uh, in both in each country department but also at group level. Um, they even had a specific subdivision that was dealing with account and stuff like this. But you know what? They were strong. It was nice to have them in so you could take, draw on these resources. But of course, so they had sort of the one I was dealing with in Belgium, wonderful person. Uh, and she was, she was very, she knew exactly, she knew her shit. <laughs> she knew what she was doing, right? Uh, so she took the processes where I used her it made everything much easier for me because she knew she took the stress and she could deal with that uh, and and knew the the system by heart you know how how to take things out of people the figures and how to set things up to relieve that part of it so i could take the with the psychological part of negotiation stuff like this mm, yeah yeah, to divide those parts in Yeah, more. when you don't, because the, the, this is a big company, so they have these kind of capacities to do these kind of things. When you don't have that, you have people like you and me that would be seniors that sit uh, sit with it, and we're supposed to, that was the responsibility you would normally have the first time I worked in P&O in 2015. That would be my job. Yeah? That was what I was paid my salary for, to be able to handle that alone. Uh. <laughs> I would say my experience doing it at a university level, um, it would also be doing it, of course, there's a researcher, of course, but he is mainly writing. Uh, I would be doing the negotiation and handling the, the numbers. Um, back then, I was much better at it than now, but I would say in my current position, I have uh, I have a couple of excellent people, ex-university uh, financial controllers um, who are excellent at this. And it's a joy, uh, no matter uh, how meager the budget is, to get something, uh, somebody that experienced in, and and help create it basically. And and these people, they know, uh, they see every situation, so they know how hard it is for a small company, for a large company. They know all these different um, episodes as well as you and I, and that is a joy. Yeah. So if we just <clears throat> take the take the fly in, so say, set the scene. So when you prepare a, a proposal, you cannot, in budget part, is very difficult to do before people know what they're supposed to do. And that we, we sort of carved out uh, in the earlier episodes, both me in solo, but also with my guest episodes. So there are many things you cannot do before the very end. So the, Preparation you need to do that you would normally do. You you get estimated budgets for the, from the partners at uh, as early as possible, maybe a month or month and a half before submission. So you sort of get the expectation level uh, from them, so you can already there start to deal with people who are totally like you know, just solo riding, you know, <laughs> profit maximizing on the funding. Uh, so you can already knock it down. And then you 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 have the proposal process running with all the getting the input right uh, on on the, the the content, and then 
you reach towards the end where you can know all the the facts about uh, categories of partners, uh, the, ca- the the what kind of cost categories you have, so you can you can know all that. But to get the figures in there, then it starts, and it's always the last. Well, for me, sometimes I filled in the last figures uh, an hour before submission. Yeah, so it's it's always towards the last so the last two weeks it starts to get hairy and because everything about the budget starts to settle there so that's the scene setting right this is how it is you you emerge you arrive two weeks before in the process and then then starts what we're going to talk about now because last time with the elena we talked about that's the table here you do this and this and this this is how you calculate things but what we need to talk about today is what happens in real life when you you know all this, <laughs> you know what the temp- template is, you know cost categories, you know what they need to send you, and then starts the different problems. Yeah. I would I would say that what you just presented is the nice version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Slightly. What's the what's well. the what's the grid what's the grid version? So the grid version is that uh, as a coordinator you. Uh, you already have you've you've analyzed your partners and you know this is going to be very tricky. They're going to be budget maximizing some stuff. We'll probably go into later. They're <laughs> going to be cheating a little bit with it. Yeah. Um, uh, so the quick version is that you give them a frame. This is also the one where you risk uh, that what is described in the budget is the furthest away from reality when you want to run the project. Mm-hmm. So it's. Um, it's something where you really have to think about that afterwards. But if you think that the, if you've analyzed your way through that this negotiation is going to be impossible, either due to some kind of rivalry between partners, some kind of status issues where they see each other, it could be researchers who want a specific portion of money rel- uh, relatable to other partners. Yeah. It could be a status thing. It can also be... Um, budget optimization in all kinds of different terms it could also be that you know that this grant it's important for this call uh, that a specific type of partner is seen to have the largest budget mm-hmm. or you know there's some kind of either formal division of 50 percent to smes or to research partners or you have a widening uh, agenda that you need to 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 hit that might not be completely written down in a call but you know because you know the people behind and you've been talking and you basically know there's a widening agenda. As we're seeing now again in Horizon Europe, we had a, a couple of years where it wasn't really on top of the framework. But um, you might give them a frame, meaning you might say uh, you have uh, 100,000 euros. Mm-hmm. Make that fit. Uh, then you get crazy numbers sometimes. but <laughs> it is uh, it is sort of a ham-fisted way of making sure that everybody goes into budget. It's a good way of uh, sort of of saying this is this is uh, what we expect within this. I've done this a couple of times also to to say mm-hmm. this is what we would. This is this is the 
Uh, we even made a weighted budget already, taking the 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 maximum contribution, and then made a weight budget between work packages. Say so this is ten percent, ten percent, fifteen, thirty-five, fifty. Yeah, yeah. Sort of uh, giving an expectation, then say, well, in between them, you say, look, this is what you have, and you should be around here. You should be around here. So yeah, that uh, that helps. Have you ever done the process without any of these kind of preparations, Jonas? <laughs> hey, yes, yes, yes. I've I've done. I think more or less all kinds we of all iterations of it. I've done it <laughs> myself completely uh, uh, without any input, and then sending a mail out saying, yeah. "You all have thirty minutes to come to me if this is completely." That I never tried. Out of focus. That's brave. Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes needs must. At some point, uh, if it's a very forced process, it's very you have very little time, and you have a lot of work to do, and everybody is jaded and uh, have uh, shut off their creative minds. You might have to just if you if you want to push the grant over the finish line, and you sometimes have to take liberties and do something yourself. It's. Um... <laughs> I would not not have dared that, especially not as a private consultant, because you do work for people, right? So there you're paid for what you do. So you in that position, you need to give people the opportunity to do their calculations and so internally. Yeah, sometimes it takes them, even if they actually do work on it. <laughs> go back to that. Uh, they can take them up to a week together from different teams, or you know, like what are their rates? Uh, uh, if they have to talk to other partners about specifying some work that they should do in a specific work package, whatever you know, to understand. So sometimes it's uh, it takes a while, uh, even if they are diligent. Um, and that, well, of course, I'm in an organization now where we uh, uh, where we work a lot on projects that we win home so yeah. i'm involved in what comes after that yeah. means that i'm much more involved in making uh, the budgets more accurate and making them fit what is actually going to happen afterwards and what constantly surprises me is how oftentimes the people who are planning these events in every day mm -hmm. are nowhere near involved meaning you most organizations do not have an idea of of what a workshop will cost no it's correct um, and they are not going to call the person arranging workshops they will know they will give you an estimate of here's a very expensive one here's a very cheap one you can find your way through that yeah um some universities some private consultants uh, some other places will have uh, forms templates that you can fill out that's always very nice if you're a coordinator and you have these kinds of tools that you can send out i used to have um, all kinds of easy budgeting tools uh, pixie book version if you can call it that mm -hmm. uh, of of an eu budget with everything explained everything called something slightly different that actually makes sense uh, <laughs> to a normal person yeah uh, that you could send out and you could uh, fill out uh, alongside uh, the partner. It could be especially small companies, um, uh, researchers from uh, social science and humanities who don't have a lot of uh, support. Yeah. Um, Eastern European uh, country uh, university partners uh, where it's one person who does everything for them. Yeah. Um, 
So um, uh, we would oftentimes uh, use these kinds of, of, of tools, which are handy and are smart to use. And I do not really know why uh, the commission itself are not promoting these kinds of tools. Yeah. To make it very much easier. And I think, so for you, dear listeners, what we're talking about now, before we step into the the different categories of de- things you need to deal with when you sit the last two weeks. Now we are sort of giving you some tips and input to how you deal with the process up to those two weeks. So how you you send out in, in, in due time uh, some explained templates, like Jonas mentions here, uh, that helps the partners. You help the partner take a dedicated budget meeting with them, explaining how to fill things in, how to you know, like you go through that with them. Um, you sort of you don't give them a chance to tell you that you did not help them with it. Yeah? So you need to to dress them up as good as you can, even though you know you run into a a tons of stuff the last two weeks, at least for yourself towards the consortium. Prepare yourself as good as possible with. Yeah, as I just said, informative meetings, sending out templates and explanatory templates as best, um, and then estimates. Give them a, a frame or say, look, this is uh, what you have in this box. This is what you can play with. Uh, see how far you get within the activities for your discussions in the work package discussions. So it matches the the discussions you what you think you can do is matched up against the budget you uh, are expected to have. And then if problems arise, coordinate with me. We'll have a talk and see if we can massage things, so on and so forth. So these things, what I just mentioned in in verbal bullet form, so to say, these things are something that will help you a lot. Uh, so you have your own base uh, solid when you reach the last two weeks. Is there anything else? Other bullets, so to say? I would say know the organization. So if I'm a consultant or coordinator of a proposal and uh, you uh, are a representative of of one of the partners, one of the beneficiaries, um, and I want you to fill out a budget for me, uh, I might do a tiny short couple of questions to you to understand your organization. What is the approval process within your organization? Who can actually accept things? Yeah. So oh, I have a lot of experience with people um, um, creating these budgets, but then not having it finally approved in the organization. Um, and uh, this might involve uh, contacting, it could be private companies as well, definitely. Mm-hmm. This might involve having to suddenly reach out to some kind of supervisor who might not be aware that they're doing this application. Mm-hmm and thus start a horrible derailing process or a further complication process in negotiations. Because then suddenly you're bringing a person in that you have not been in touch with, somebody yeah. who doesn't know the activities, somebody who doesn't hasn't been a part of where we've tried to feel each other out regarding expenses and what can be paid. You might have a person who does not understand the rules, but are more concerned with other partners are getting what and how much are we getting. If uh, it's inexperienced people you're working with, uh, they have they might have been trying to sell the idea of the project by naming uh, total budget numbers yeah. or creating some kind of false impression of how much money you can actually get out of this. This is a very good point um, because, 
And uh, experienced partners who have been doing this before, they would always say, look, budget, I need to drag this person in. You know, they would know internally how to work, but you need to be aware of the ones that do not mention these things because mm. uh, and often they are new in the game. They don't really know how things work. And this is what Jonas just said. It's what's going to happen in many cases because you have a political level in any organization so to say anyone who's involved or they might even have been talked into and convinced to join then they look at from manager level because of what's in it for us they say what's the resources what do we cut what does what is covered and then the person you talk to is selling that towards managers that this is what we're going to get but if it's then it starts to get complicated on the budget side, you need someone there who understands how these things work. So because they will be like a a a, a fox cornered a corner, if they suddenly have to downgrade their budget, they will fight for it because they promised manager level something else. Um, and this is when you can get into really uh, hardcore discussions in the group. If if there's someone, this situation. This is this is because people if people are starting to smell that somebody might be getting that you might be caving in towards a certain part to keep them in, mm -hmm. then it might be uh, game is on again with the whole budget round that you've just finished. Yeah. I would say that the type of partners that you have to look out for are not only inexperienced partners, small partners. It might also be the very uh, experienced. <laughs> It might be consultants. Yeah, too, I'm not a, saying, a little too experienced. <laughs> I, I'm not talking about uh, EU proposal consultants, but uh, consultants in general of some kind of. It could be a large consultant house that might have giant divisions doing this, uh, something like PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, and this yeah. is hypothetical, of course. Yeah. Um, it could also be law companies, um, companies who, uh, um, who who make a living in, of hiring out the, the, the work, of course, for some kind of hourly rate. Yeah, uh, they will have a very fixed definition of what their overhead is, uh, and uh, they don't do anything for cost. Yeah, and uh, they might not even really be aware that that is a thing in this kind of 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 development project. Yeah. So, while you, as an experienced project coordinator, are probably ringing around giving people the good news that this is an uh, a RIA proposal, I know they're not called that anymore. Uh, but uh, it's a uh, research and innovation proposal, meaning that you're probably going to get 100% funding covered of actual cost plus a 25% overhead flat rate. That is, in our world, a very, very handsome um, funding rate. Yeah. That is something that if your bosses and your organization are in the know and know these things, they're very, very, very happy with. Yeah. Um, but if you find yourself in a situation where this is far below what expectations are this could be a person who have only mentioned yeah that total budget we're getting 200,000 euros it's going to be amazing but they fail to inform their bosses or they might not have understood themselves that this actually correlates out to quite a lot of more hours than they thought they were going to do and and then comes the second issue with this is that they need to be aware in a respectful way that you that is very difficult to cheat with this because you're going to have to register the amount of hours and you're going to have to be able to prove uh, the salary levels. Uh, so that needs to be some kind of openness about that. Mm -hmm. The person who are uh, in charge of the, of the application for this partner might actually be, uh, might actually need to be allowed to see uh, 
or at least average uh, salary figures for this yeah. organization. Uh -huh. So when they're done, uh, you might be audited. And if you're audited, they will go through all these things and they'll find it. Um, hey, they're very diligent. The commission's audited. Very diligent. <laughs> so this is uh, not the way to cheat. Uh, not that there's any way to cheat. But uh, this is this is a process that can be very painful when you uh, suddenly find out that a partner that is vital has a very different view of what they were actually getting per hour. Yeah. And they, I think exactly this subject would also be something you need to understand at an early stage. What are the hourly rates per partner? Mm. That yeah. you this is because it it forms uh, very uh, directly uh, the activities level, so to say, uh, per partner. If you have low hourly rates, say Hungarian partner, Spanish partner, Portuguese. Then they can do a lot for the budget, but if you have Norwegian partners, uh, German partners, Finnish partners with uh, much higher uh, levels, but also sectors, say, like, let's just say law company from Norway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you need to know that at an at a stage, early stage, so you can make this uh, part of who is involved in what in the content part of the discussions they have. Exactly. And uh, you also need to know uh, roughly if it's a very research-heavy proposal, what uh, PhD, what do PhD costs around Europe? How long does it take? Uh, this is usually one of the key components of most research projects are actually PhDs, and you usually have to cover them for the whole term. Yeah, this will be the the, the small workers working on this project usually, and there will be yeah. a series or one. Uh, main researcher on top of that who will probably also put in time but the PhDs are absolutely vital usually uh, and they might have in the organization might have some kind of extra costs involved with that some of it might be eligible some of it might not that shifts from country to country uh, so if you are dealing with a research partner or a private partner with a some kind of industrial PhD solutions attached to Uh, you might need to be aware of the local uh, regulations concerning PhDs and the costs. Uh, so, of course. So I think, well, anyone who's been listening to my timeline series and anyone who has been involved themselves at a certain stage in something like this, they know that there's a lot of work to do when you do proposals. And as you can hear, there are a lot of things you need on your checklist. <laughs> when you when you uh, are in the process to to prepare yourself uh, for for the last phase when submitting the proposal maybe you want us we should move into because we will touch some of these things now we sort of gave an idea uh, of the main things people will help people a lot if they are aware of these things in the you know like already from when they start making their check check Excel checklist, a long Excel checklist, uh, to-do list, so to say, at the beginning of the process. So that's there. Uh, please put it down on the blog. Put it whatever we said here because it's going to help you. Now, now I dotted down here the key elements that would be uh, making. It difficult in the end and the first one i put is late input so that's the condition yeah 
everything is late because you cannot do these things as I've said many times. Nothing can be done. The real details that you need to fill in, you can give estimates, but the real details you need to submit, you need very you need concrete detailed figures <laughs> from each partner. And that, in a sense, is something you can only have at the end. So that's that. So by definition, it's late. But what we're talking about here is when something else is making that process very difficult. And the, the first sub-bullet I put here is that when part, some partners that do not really know how to handle the budget, even though they have, you made uh, online sessions where you explained, you, you sent out the documents so they could understand, um, they don't really know. They still haven't really got it. And then they forward things on the you know you have to push things out and then when you get it it's wrong or you wow. yeah uh, and you have to take it again you might have just gotten the cfo to sign the thing in blue ink meaning that if you are changing a single euro then it's back to this person's office yeah um so this would be organizations that are not really used to this is you know, like normally this is organizations that are not used to working with EU projects eh, or proposals. They they are norm, well, maybe used to 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 commercial projects, uh, and exactly as you say, there's there's something behind that needs to to um, to approve it. Or they have a low level of support for it, so they might not. Uh, they might have some guys who are really good at it, but the, the ones that you're dealing with now do not, and they don't have the support. This yeah. is something that I also see sometimes. You might have somebody in a in a company who used to be a researcher and had done it himself. Yeah. Or he's learned, or he was at the meeting and he's really good at it. But now it, he's not the person you're dealing with and he never told anyone how to do it. Uh, so now we need to paint... That's correct. Now, this said, now we need to paint the scenario why this is is a problem. <laughs> So when you're at this stage, you will have, let's just say you have an average consortium of 15 to 20 partners in Horizon Europe proposal you're dealing with. They, all of these people, these partners, they have sent you budgets. This is happening now. You at the same time, you have to deal with content. Uh, there might be, there's a re, last review process possibly or even this process where you have to go through a lot of stuff that you need to send out to the partnership uh, to make sure that they have the time to review the content of the written proposal itself. And at the same time, you're pushing people to get figures and you start getting figures in. And then you have to deal with these ones <laughs> that didn't really listen, that didn't really yes. take it take it in. You have to, they, maybe they're busy, it might be a production, uh, it might be a, a manufacturing company, whatever, an SME that really, this is something they do on the left hand. Uh, so they are busy, they've fooled up schedule and they don't really have the time for a, even a, a short session online to, to deal with this. Um, this is, <laughs> it's very like the scenario that I just painted. Um, it's, it's, this is normal. In this, in the process that you have this partner, sometimes you're lucky that they're not there. I tried this, but most of the time there is one or even several in this category yeah. 
that you that really doesn't understand this or of what we just explained. So that's 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 really tricky. Then this and that is bridging into my next sub bullet, so that it's it's rather chaotic when you receive when you receive all budgets in a very short period of time. Yeah. Um, so here, it, it, it for this you you really need to be diligent in because you need to check them all. And if you don't have someone to support you in your organization, you need to check all the figures. And you need to match the figures up against what is being put in the tables in the implementation section in the proposal because these things need to match. Um, They're not done at the same time. No. Um, Often... You have several tables in the implementation that is impossible for them to do before they do the budget. So that's good. Uh, yeah. So you have these detailed where they have to put detailed fig, uh, man month figures per work package and so on. And so, so that is the same moment that they're doing this. Um, but they still, you there might be some disagreement between. So you need to check these things. That's the thing. You need to check it. <laughs> that's that's the that's the hardcore part here. You need, and if the more partners you have, the more stressful that is because you you cannot. You it has to be correct. Yes, and uh, it's uh, there's two approaches. You can either be super uh, detail oriented, or you can have rounder figures. It is a budget, and. Doing this budget, especially in the system, it can. It's a strange situation because when you're filling out A3 or the corresponding field, yeah. it seems very as a bird eye view of what's happening. But it's not. So everything in behind that, when you go into the true systems, it's super detailed. Yeah. And uh, you can have rounding errors because somebody at some company or university are using an internal template. That is very advanced. Now yeah. rounding out things yeah. in a different currency, then exchanging it into into euros, mm-hmm. changing everything. This would be a real issue. You might have somebody who's been filling things out in the in in the the template that you mentioned before in the application itself, mm-hmm. and then when you get the advanced one, it's very changed, and yeah. they might even be correct both of them. And this partner might not be able to change it afterwards because they might have a budget that has been approved in all the right levels yeah. to be able to send something out. I've been in that position at a university where if uh, the head of the economic section had approved something, nobody was allowed to change it yeah. or we couldn't actually send anything out. Yeah. And uh, as we're saying, this is usually in, sadly in the later stages. Yeah. Because you simply can't, you simply can't be too soon with this because it has to reflect activities and activities changing. That's a part of negotiation as well. Yeah, it's a baseline uh, for everything that 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 you cannot do these things before the end. And when you run into this, then things get it get hairy. And no matter who you are out there, you will run into something like this. If you will do more than one proposal in your life, 
uh, cross fingers that the one you will do in your life, you won't run into this. If you do more, you will run into this. It, 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 that's just, uh, that's, it's like a nature, law of nature here. It ha will happen. It's basically why I was so happy having these small pixie kind of budgets, because uh, a part of that was also primarily focusing on the salary. The salary is something, it's a number you just can't find yourself. Uh, that is specific. And as long as the partners know that this is something they really can't really cheat that much with, mm. it should be pretty simple in uh, in essence. The other thing that might not be simple is things like uh, travel costs. Uh, this is something that I usually uh, keep charge on as a coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there are different travel costs. Uh, you might be planning an event in Norway, and you might be planning something in Romania, two very different uh, costs, brackets regarding hotels and, and travel. But in essence, uh, this is something that I find is uh, is good not to keep with the partners yeah simple simple as that find out where are the activities taking place usually it's several partners at once keeping a baseline cost of the activities per country you might have some kind of index saying this is in a more expensive country you're putting that much higher up then dividing that out to partners in in fixed numbers i we actually we did that in piano we had uh, a rule of thumb uh, that we used for travel uh expenses uh, depending on on the duration if it was you know, 36 months or 48 months you know we had standard and everybody i uh, never heard had anything complaining about that you know it's, uh, because they also they because trusted that, trusted us with those things that could be uh, some countries where you have a some kind of very high per diem for instance or something like that. Uh, yeah case in point uh norwegians uh even if they're public employees uh, they have a baseline that's called oslo prices and that's what they get everywhere. Uh, that's very exciting. Um, not so if you're a Danish public employer or uh, from many other countries where that amount of what you can use for things change compared to which country you're in. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the, the last sub bullet I have here on the late input issue, that's partners who consequently doesn't reply. Yeah who doesn't has doesn't send it and they do not reply you cannot you cannot reach them by mm -hmm. phone um where you have to little almost literally twist their arm on the back to get out the figures um or having to twist the arm to you know like when you have to correct their figures uh, adjustment and questions you have even if it's nothing it doesn't have to be anything about uh, wanting to sneak around. So it might simply be that this is you have these partners that do not reply. You know that that are very difficult to reach. Uh, can, when, what you what you need here is usually it can have or there can be many different reasons, right? But uh, it's usually one of two brackets or reasons that I see when this mm -hmm. is happening. One, people are busy. Mm -hmm. Might be think they they have might have several proposals, and your proposal is just not that special to them. Mm -hmm. um, the second one can be that they might simply not like dealing with budgets and numbers or slash it's a complicated approval process in the organization. Uh, uh, uh. So if they have made an error, they might want, want to confront it. And and one thing is intellectual understanding that the pro proposal can't really go forward without this 
uh, information, uh, and then actually dealing with it is difficult. What I usually try to do with partners is uh, if it's uh, a very involved partners, if it's a large partner with a big budget and a lot of activity, I would see if I cannot penetrate organization in a way where I get contact with somebody that can do budgets and finance, somebody who helps them or uh, inform them that uh, it would be nice if they got somebody like that on board. Yeah. They might have that kind of level of support, but not know that they need it. If you can get somebody like that, then it's easier. Yeah. Um, you see, if it's a small adjustment, it might not be tactical or large. It might just be a tiny bit adjustment. Yeah. Well, that's it. You need some sort of you need to use some sort of key, and I think this is a, a good. It can be a way through what Jonas just mentioned here. Um, to uh, it can be very uh, difficult. It can be simply difficult. Like if we're in this position in these weeks, and you have to call me, <laughs> that's difficult, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in my line of work right now, I'm in so many meetings that my phone is simply not that available to call to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and mails will be dumped into a big pile of a ton of mails that I will go through, but might not be for your deadline. Yeah. And this could be a, a situation for some kind of innovation manager in a company or um, some kind of important professor who is doing a lot of different work. Or people get sick or people go on vacation and and promise their partner not to uh, have the work phone <laughs> mm-hmm. turned on. Yeah. And we all know that it might not be that partner's fault that there is change, upcoming change in the budget. That can be something else. It could be a different partner has been forced to make a change, which changes the balance of the whole budget and proposal. And now you need adjustments everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you might, in that situation, getting everybody online is difficult. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the renegotiations, um, <laughs> negotiations and renegotiations. Now, let's just uh, take a bridge into the second bullet I made here. Overall, so wrong figures. Uh, we just touched that a little bit, but but I made a p- specific bullet for that because you have where you simply have people filling things wrong in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and that, um, it's, it's natural, actually, because uh, the whole EU lingo concerned, which is probably a theme on every one of your podcasts, uh, is that the, the EU lingo concerning um, uh, EU funding is very specific. Yeah. And it makes sense that it's specific, since uh, if you're going with normal finance uh, lingo on words, they change from country to country mm-hmm. and uh, they can mean different things uh, in different markets, different parts of the world as well. Um, but this lingo is very strange. It's uh, almost impenetrable if you do not have a guide or if you do not know where to look, place like uh, annotated model grant agreement or annotated model uh, <laughs> budget or yeah. applications or any of these kinds of things or have somebody like me on this at shorthand that can help you um, it's filled with impenetrable wordings uh, forms can look very strange the first time I saw the A3 I was confused <laughs> we all were didn't mean, first time didn't look like any budget I've ever seen um, <laughs> it looked way too simple and if something looks simple in the EU <laughs> funding system 
then it's because you haven't really turned that stone around. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when if you work, so any grants consultants out there, if you work in larger companies, you would have dedicated people working on this, like I had a piano. And that what is so good about that is that it helps a lot in this process because they would have the time to have individual meetings with the partners if they. Uh, look, we would like to have a talk. They reached out to us and said, look, we need someone to explain us one-to-one on this. And then that person would take a dedicated meeting uh, for P&O to, to deal with that. And uh, and then they were good to go. Yeah? But in, in not a few people are so lucky uh, to have that kind of resource uh, in your end. So often, often many of you out there, you have to do this yourself. Um, and that's just... Sometimes you just need to take the time to, if you can squeeze it in, and that I know is difficult because, and you also know that, Jonas, it's simply a very, very stressful process. You might do several proposals at the same time for the same call, uh, where you have to do this for, so you're dealing, juggling with 40 partners at the same time. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, but it it's it's uh, it's tricky. Uh, but it's uh, the best thing to do is to do it as short as possible. Then, if you're busy, these meetings for them to to explain it so they they get it right. Um, yeah. and have good tools. Yeah, that's really important. See if you can't find them. Uh, it makes everything so much easier if you have some kind of uh, easy template to create budgets uh, for the, those who do not have them already. No. Uh, things that take into consideration whether you might need. Uh, external auditing that's a cost that you can bring in and that is a high cost for some partners for instance scandinavian partners have very high uh, audit costs yeah um, and that's there's some of these uh, aspects that if you do not think these costs in it's going to be a, a, a very annoying situation once the project is underway and these costs starts occurring and people haven't really taken them into consideration within the budget yeah And then you have this that I have in the last part of this sentence where things are not calibrated with the activities, the figures that they said in. And that's not out of, often it's not out of, of, of uh, it's not deliberate. It's just, they, they just haven't checked it. And I run into this, I've been running into this many, many, many times that um, where we realized that they didn't, they didn't, th- sit properly and look at what the activity they didn't sit with their own activity board so to say what where have we put resources and do that are there it's supposed to be this and this and this and this and this they made it too quickly probably or that they they, they didn't uh, realize well, simply not they're simply never a part of actually uh, using this money afterwards yeah. and meaning they're out of touch in what are the actual costs yeah They might see a larger number and thinking this is a big number for this kind of activity, but not thinking in the minute costs that are actually involved. Yeah. And now this is now this is for the partners that are not willfully trying to squeeze. This uh, I'm yeah, talking about the ones that uh, that do this out of because they simply don't know or are unexperienced with this. And now we move into <laughs> the ones that do try to. What do you say? Optimize, budget optimizing. Budget optimize, yeah. That's what I usually call it. 
here, here, this is a, this is a subsection that I call two high figures, and um, way too high <laughs> figures. So everybody have experienced this when they've been doing proposals that you have. Uh, even if you send out expectations at an early stage, two months before submission, then you reach towards the sub towards submission. Then suddenly you have one or two partners submitting budgets for eight hundred thousand euros, uh, where the coordinator would have like five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand euros. I, I've seen this kind of of <laughs> seen this kind of budget, um, where it's 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 so unrealistic it's so um it's because you probably saw the earlier numbers before yeah um so you have so if we just look at at uh, so what i have of sub bullets here first of all you have the unrealistic expectations so what can we actually what's the budget frame and what can we charge for what we do I've, sometimes i've seen partners pushing for one fifth of the whole budget just for themselves. Yeah. The, the situation you just described, it could be the other way around. I had a direct case of that last year. Um, there was not an EU application, but uh, an, a different kind of application where my organization uh, were playing a smaller role, but we were supporting some strategic partners. And uh, there was a, a very unexperienced private consultant involved, mm -hmm. experienced in running these kinds of projects we're talking about, not experienced in winning them. Mm -hmm. um, or applying for them. So um, basically, uh, I came in as an expert to sort of help them in the process, explain them the very first sort of outline, the very important stuff that they might have missed, and that is funding rate. And they did not really realize the proper funding rate. This funding rate was 50%. Mm -hmm. And magically, a week later, the budget was twice as large. Yeah. And this is where I was looking already at the total pile of money being um, offered out mm -hmm. and uh, what these kinds of projects, what they were uh, rated to shortly or, or roughly be in total budget. Mm -hmm. And also how many projects they actually wanted out of this and which subjects, meaning uh, classic in a, in, a, in a European call, you will probably have some kind of subject just for hyper hypothetical, you can say 5G or whatever. You mm -hmm. have a roadmap on that, mm -hmm. meaning that uh, through the last situations of this, iterations of this call, there's like a checklist. But every time a project fulfills or wants to fulfill some kind of goal, you can check that out. And, and you're running through all these things in this roadmap that's been created with in industry and academia and policymakers and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you have an idea if if you are actually uh, taking a deep dive analysis into what has been funded earlier of how many kind of projects are they probably going to be funding now and under which fields. Mm -hmm. So I do this sometimes if I have the time for other people preparing grants. And um, I usually make a suggestion. We shouldn't go higher than this number. Mm -hmm. Then I think we will probably, because there's a balance, right? You want to be promising quite a lot quantitative speaking in KPIs, you want to want to show deliverables that can move something. Mm -hmm. But you also do not want to take your total cost too high, because you might fall under that. Yeah, you might lose out to two cheaper projects, basically, yeah, 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 yeah. they might want somebody with more bang for the buck, 
The problem with this whole budget dance for most inexperienced partners and even some experienced partners is that these are what I normally call air money. Yeah. Because funding, uh, like winning rates are low. You're going to be doing this quite a lot until you have a successful proposal. But these money start feeling real. Mm-hmm. And that means people fight for them a lot. Mm-hmm. And they start uh, from the beginning, if they have an unrealistic idea of how much money they might be able to, to get in on this, how much of their organization they might be able to activate or how many people they might be able to employ. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they get this figure set in their head and they mean to achieve this. Yeah. So if they're suddenly being told that they have to adjust something, cut something down, or even that there's a lower funding rate than they thought, this changes everything, and they might start coming with erratic figures. Yeah. In this case, in my organization, um, uh, they disregarded my advice, and uh, they didn't win. And, uh, of course, this is a picked subject, that I've, uh, example mm-hmm. that yeah, I'm yeah, telling yeah, you about. Yeah, so, yeah, of yeah. course, it has the logical conclusion. Yeah who were simply informed that it was way too expensive, mm-hmm. roughly twice, uh, like double as expensive as it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. which basically told us that we were in the correct frame of budget at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it was so important for them to have this external consultant being fully paid. Yep. And uh, he didn't really know the rules, and they ended up doubling everything. Because uh, if you have a whole inexperienced consortium, People can really, really rapidly agree that it's a good idea to just double the figures. Yeah. Because everybody yeah. wants more of the air money. What you've just said is very, it's extremely, it's very correct. Because when you get to the budget negotiations, we'll come to that in a, in a, in a minute. That's when things starts to get real. Because one thing is talking about nice activities. Oh, well, then we should do this and that, and then do 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 do, and who does this, and make nice models and graphic layout of the flow of work and so on. It's all very nice to idea develop. To uh, it's of course has a root in the reality. That's of course you know, but it's a it's it's because that's where it is. They need to think about the research they need to do or innovation. Da da da. But when it come when it, we reach the budget, that's when it gets real. That's where the real fighting starts. They don't fight too. Sometimes they fight a little bit over content, but the real fight you have, that's when it comes down to the actual resources. And there you have everybody for themselves. It's like it's like they all they've been working together for two three months, maybe longer, and then you reach the budget and everybody runs in a different. <laughs> Action, <laughs> and it's there's some logical problems that can occur. Uh, we talked earlier on uh, the difference in cost in different countries, mm. salary cost, yeah, very different. Uh, Swiss uh, researcher is very expensive, mm-hmm. the UK researcher is very expensive. Mm-hmm. UK are not a problem anymore, but the uh, <laughs> Scandinavian researcher or PhD are markedly more expensive than for instance an Italian PhD. An Italian PhD might cost you a thousand euros a month. Yeah. A Danish one uh, in IT might cost you uh, five to almost six thousand euros maybe. Yeah. Uh, that is a massive difference. But the partner with the higher cost are not really getting more in their own mind. Because they are getting two PhDs perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And are able to conduct three uh, workshops. Yeah, so they think it's normal. Some, they, yeah, in their view, 
and I can definitely relate to that and understand being mm-hmm. in that position before. Yeah, they are getting some activities covered that are necessary, and if you are too locked into everybody getting roughly the same amount of money in in the number, then you might start uh, ruining the balance in the project itself concerning yeah. activities that you have to be divide the activities out in Europe and you have to have uh, a beneficiary actually conducting uh, specific activities. Uh, uh, and this is something that can create strife because you will then, if this is very important, you will then have the partners with the lower cost looking at the partners with the higher cost and seeing a massively, maybe twice as high a budget. Yeah. Let's just we will just we'll get to the negotiations in a minute. I just want to touch upon these things that are because they're important for the they're important that we that we share with the listeners the 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 the, the bad partners you will run into. So what I call strategic jerkness when part some partners deliberately you mentioned it sort of touched it uh, some minutes ago but when a partner is deliberately trying to cheat. Uh, when they move figures around, they if if they are told that they and here I will be fading out of the first part of this double episode on the budget preparations in real life. Second part of this double episode will be released next Monday. Here we will continue the talk on two high figures and not least the negotiations and renegotiations of budget in between the partners that you need to listen to. See you then.